we're here in the middle of Lent. And this entire season is about facing things that we don't want to face, right? The entire idea of Lent is that we kind of allow God to lead us into darkness, right? We, we take Psalm 23, the idea where it's God who walks us through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, what's beautiful about this is that we all have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But when we choose to allow God to lead us through these dark places, there's a difference. We will all have to face it. But what happens if we choose to face it before we want to? What if we choose to allow God to be the one who leads us into facing all the dark areas of life? And so Lent is that season of every single year. It's not like Christmas. It's not like Easter. It's different. It's the time when we allow God to take us to all the dark places, right? All the dark places in reality and life, but also the, uh, the dark places in our soul. And so this morning, uh, the one word I want to center on is the last one there, decay. Think of like an apple rotting. Have you guys ever done like the science experiment with your kids? You have like an apple, take a bite and you leave it enclosed for a week, two weeks, three weeks. Okay, how about this? Has anyone ever had bread in their house? Okay, and it stayed there for two weeks, three weeks. What begins to happen to that bread? It changes cool colors, right? It becomes like Fruit Loops bread, right? Amen? It doesn't taste good. Don't try it. I promise. Okay. And the whole idea is that it begins to what? Decay. Now, the definition here, okay? Decay. A wasting or a wearing away. I love that idea, to waste away. Who is in Avengers? The movie Avengers? Uh, uh, oh, gosh, I just lost the name of the movie. Infinity War. Who's seen it? Anybody? Who's seen the end of it? If you haven't seen it, sorry. Okay. At the end, right, you have this idea where you see these people just kind of turning to dust and fading away, right? Oh, it's terrible but awesome for my sermon, amen, right? They are instantly decaying, right? They, they are going from a solid state, and their body is decomposing in front of you, fading away, right? If you were to die right now, it's only a matter of time until you become dust, Right? Now, depending on the conditions, humidity, the, the uh, temperature, airflow, it might take longer, it might take less. Right? Uh, if you're lucky, you'd be a mummy, kind of stay a little bit moist for a long time. Sound good? Right? But in the end, everything, the flesh, the hair, fingernails, even teeth, your bones, this is a really exciting sermon, aren't you just thrilled? It will all eventually turn to what? To dust. Right? It will decay. So the idea of decay is to go from a solid, healthy state, right? It is, it is fixed in its form, right? It's, it's here, right? And it is going to slowly begin to lose its shape, lose its form, lose its health and vitality to take another form. So here's my question for you this morning, okay? In your lifetime, as long as you have been alive, okay, what has been unchanged in you, around you? Okay? In your entire lifetime, what things have been unchanged? Think back to it. For me, my one unchanged thing in my life was always my grandparents' house. Who's had that, like, that kind of experience, right? You walk in, it smells the same. The furniture's in the same place. You know what I'm talking about? It's silent like it was before. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? Okay. We moved a lot. And so it was the one house that was the exact same, the same carpet, furniture, the same routine. They ate at the same time. They went for a walk at the same time. Everything was the exact same, the same clock. They had this grandfather clock. And you literally could hear it at all times of the day because they're that quiet, that quiet, right? 
And I would come into that house whenever I was two to, I think, about age 28 or 27. And everything in the house was the exact same. I loved it. But there came a day when what? That house was sold. I think it affected me more than anyone else. I was like, no, 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 no. This is the one thing in my entire life that's never changed. I need it to stay the same. Because it didn't matter what was going on around me. I could walk into that house at any time in my life and feel something familiar, right? To have that tangible experience of home. That house was more home for me than any other house I've ever lived in. That was home for me, right? And when I lost that, I, it, it, it was shocking. It was almost like I, I lost something that was stable, something I've kind of been, been holding on to, right? Now, see, life is the steady process of decay, There is nothing in this world that you know that will stay the same. Every single thing will change. Everything will change. Your hair will change. Your eyesight will change. Your strength, your mobility, your skin, every single thing about you will change. You know what else? Your opinions will change. Even your very ability to have consciousness, and this is extremely crazy stuff, even your consciousness, your ability to perceive the world will change as you get older. Time will feel different. Who has noticed that time changes as you get older, right? When you were a little kid, the ride to the mall took forever. And the kids in the back will tell you now, are we there yet? (laughs) Yeah. We took our kids to Florida this last week. We're very stupid people. It's okay. And our kids asked us, it was about like one hour, I think we we're about to Russellville. Are we there yet? And in that moment, I realized this was a terrible decision, right? You make bad life choices, Devin. Terrible decisions. One hour into a 16-hour drive, are we there yet? And I realized, for them, this ride is an eternity, literally. They are trapped in purgatory right now. As you get older, time changes. Time is relative to where you are in experience. Even your consciousness will change. Have you noticed that your memories change? Have you noticed that? When you recall something, every time you tell a story, a little detail will change. The color of something, the timing of events. Police officers will tell you if a story is too consistent, it's wrong. The person's lying. Because actual human memory is a constant reconstructing. Your brain is always adding and changing things according to how you wished it were. Think about that. Who's seen Captain Marvel? Anyone seen that movie, Captain Marvel? Thank you. First service is so depressing sometimes. Like two people go to the movies. What's wrong with you people? Go to the movies. Enjoy life a little bit, right? Have some popcorn with butter on it. Uh, So like the favorite part of the movie for me was the setting. When was the movie set? Who knows? Come on, when? The 90s. Blockbuster, big block Lego vehicles made of metal, not plastic. Come on, it's amazing. Cell phones that had wires. The coolest people you ever knew as had the cell phones in the cars. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about. Do you know what I'm talking about? Does anyone? You always wish you had the cord with the cable in your car. That was the cool guy with the top down. With the you know what I'm talking about? He couldn't hear a thing on the phone. He wasn't talking to anybody. He was just faking, okay? The age of Radio Shack. Beautiful. My goodness. All the things that I love in life, gone. When's the last time that you went to a blockbuster? 
How great was Blockbuster? I mean, come on, someone tell me. How great was Blockbuster, right? The best nights ever were the nights when you went and you sprinted to the back and that movie you wanted to watch and you pulled the cover back and there's actually a VHS. Do you remember that? Right? And your worst weekends were what? When you went and you pulled it and what? And you would just go down the aisle. You know what I'm talking about? Just checking them out. Oh, is it there? Is it there? And uh. Our kids are so deprived, I'm telling you. Netflix. I remember the first time my kids saw a commercial. They didn't know what was going on. Like, Dad, what's this? What's this? What is that? Really? This is a commercial. What's a commercial? Oh, my Lord. Man, reality. It's crazy, isn't it? Everything in your world changes constantly. I was, uh, I, I was doing some reading about the universe. Did you know that every single day and moment, the earth is slowing down? Do you know that? The speed that the earth spins at slows down. In 40 million years, how about this? The earth will actually spin at exactly 365 days a year. No more leap years. You won't be around to enjoy it, but no more leap years. How awesome is that? Did you know that the moon gets farther away from the earth every single second? Did you know that? In only like 100 million years, you will not be able to have an eclipse anymore. So your children's 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 children. Children's children's children, right? You get the idea, right? Every single thing in existence is constantly in motion. Nothing stays the same. There are things right now in your mind that you think are the same. Even those things are not really true. Even the things you believe haven't changed, have changed. There are even parts you say in yourself that haven't changed. Those things even changed. If I were to sit down and have coffee with myself five years ago, I wouldn't like me. Amen, hallelujah. If I were to sit down with myself ten years ago, I would fight me. <laughs> Probably. At least the younger me would fight me now, I'm pretty sure. I'm too lazy for all that fighting stuff nowadays. Right? Oh, you win, you win. Most of us build our lives with the attempt to resist decay, change. We try to build our lives in the effort to, find, to hold that change back, to resist it, to stand against it. Um, when I was a kid, uh, we used to go play in streams a lot. And streams are always so much fun because, like, you know, you, you could kind of wade into it. And so you're here to your knees, and it's coming really fast, and the water's cold and feels fresh, and it's exciting, right? But sometimes after a strong rain, the stream would go a little bit higher, right, to the waist. So sometimes, like, we try to wade out into it, and it was fun and exciting. But every once in a while, you had that weird experience where it's coming, and it's fun, and it's so exciting until the moment that it's not, right? Because there's this moment of feeling, right? When you're in a stream and you're wading, and there's that sense of, uh-oh, <laughs> And you notice that you're losing your balance, right? And like you, you try to catch it, right? And then another, and then what happens? You end up falling in the water, right? And it'll kind of tumble you back a few times, and you kind of jump up and, all right, I'm good. Everything's fine. Everything's, everything's good. You ever been to the ocean before with the waves, anybody? It's all good. It's, all, it's great to jump over the waves. You guys ever try that? You know, the waves come, you jump over them, right? I always take the kids on my shoulders. We'll go out there. I'm not very tall, so I don't go far. But you get the idea. <laughs> we'll go out there, and here comes the waves, and we'll kind of jump over them. And, and again, it's, it's all great and fun. You know, I'm dad, and I'm super strong, and you're safe. Don't worry about it until that one wave comes. Oh, crap. <laughs> you know, 
hold on, <laughs> you know, and you kind of, and after that, you just slowly start backing up. Let's, let's back up. There are moments where we are aware of the currents of change, that everything is moving around us, but we still feel a sense of control. Most of your entire life is built around maintaining a sense of control. I'm going to eat better and exercise, and I'm going to make sure that I stay young and healthy and fit and strong because I want to stay young. I'm going to get that tummy tuck and that, that plastic surgery. I'll be careful who I say. Uh, I'm going to get those hair plugs, men. I'm going to fight back the grays. We're going to stay dark hair for a long time. <laughs> There are all sorts of ways that we try to resist the change, right? That we try to, to push back from the fight from it. And see, in the Scriptures, we have this picture that, uh, of the way of the cross is what we call it. The idea is this, is that, is that Jesus came and gave us these teachings. He said, okay, here is the path to eternal life. To go from this life of death and decay to eternal life, here is the way you have to go. And so the passage that we read this morning is in Luke 9.23. But I want to read it from the Message Bible real quick. The message is very good for this reason. Eugene uh, Peterson, who wrote it, he is an amazing scholar when it comes to the Greek and to Hebrew. And so what he does is basically he reads between the lines for us. When you can't read the original text, there's a lot of nuance that we, that we miss. And so he kind of he elaborates to make sure that we don't miss what's being said in the original text in the Greek. And so he says this. And, so, and then he told them uh, what they could expect for themselves. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Let's pause here for a second. When you see the word suffering, think of loss. Think of death. Okay, to let go of something. To suffer is to have to, to, to let go, to lose something that means a lot to you. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way. My way to finding yourself, your true self. What good would it be to get everything you want and to lose you, the real you? Now, um, there's a class I'm teaching on one about the Enneagram, and, and basically this tool helps us understand our personalities. And, and so, so one of the things I teach in the class is I explain to people that imagine if you were made for this perfect environment. You were made for this world where there's no death, there's no pain, there's no one out to hurt you, to take anything from you. You're always safe. You always have your needs met. Everything is perfect every single day. That's what you were created for, right? And then imagine if we took you and you were supposed to be in this perfect environment and we took you and we put you in a world that is full of death and decay, murder, stealing, rape. You were meant to have families and parents, but yet you grew up in a place of broken homes, parentlessness, a father who didn't care about you, whatever. It goes on and on. Your life, everything in your life is like armor. You have built, you have found a way to survive. You have built yourself a little cocoon, a, a safe way to survive this terrible world that we live in, right? Everything from the thing that you, all the things that you think are who you are, right? Even your personality, Oh, this is who I am. No, this is how you've learned to survive in this world. All these things, personality traits, the career that you chose, even the people that you marry, you choose not to marry, kids, don't have kids, all of these things are products of us just trying to survive in this world. 
to resist this thing that we know is coming. Death, decay, right? We know that everything is going to pass away. We know that everything always leads to pain. When you think about the defining moments in your, in your life, those moments are almost always full of pain. There was something that hurt, something that I lost, something that I cared about that I could not hold on to. And so we build our lives in a way to hold, just kind of imagine this, to hold firmly to the things that matter most to us, right? Uh, have any parents in the house? Anyone with kids? Okay. Tip. If your child is 7 or 10, and you are so unwilling to let them grow up, okay? So if you just want your, your kid to be that little baby again, I have a picture for you guys of my kiddos, of my boys, about four years ago. We're going to put it up here for a second. If I try to treat my boys as if they are still in the age that they were in this picture, do we have that picture, guys? Do we have that picture? Hey, Alex, do we got that picture, buddy? And so if we have that picture, not that one, the other one. Thank you for that, brother. <laughs> I have to get you back sometime with some pictures of you. Uh, no. <laughs> so like with this one, right? If I try to treat my seven-year-old as if he's still this three- or two-year-old over here on the right, on your left, not only am I going to begin to harm him, just imagine, I'm trying to drag him back to this place that he used to be. I'm also not going to be able to be present to enjoy what he is now. If I continue to try to treat my five-year-old as if he's one years old, when a child is one, the way that they depend on you is completely different. They need you in so many ways. You get to feel so valuable in so many ways. When they're five, they can tie their shoes and they can kind of get in and out of the vehicle. They can, you know, get their own food. They get their own snacks. They get dressed on their own. If I try to treat this child like there's one, I'm going to, one, hurt them, and two, I'm going to miss out. As they get older, when Jude becomes a teenager, if I try to treat him like he's a toddler, like, like an infant, I'm going to harm him and I'm going to miss out. When he becomes an adult, if I treat him like a teenager, and you get this process, right? If I continue to try to hold to things the way that they were, I'm not only going to lose, but I'm going to harm. I'm going to miss out on what is actually present for me. And I'm going to hurt them. I'm going to hold them back from what God has for them. Um, I actually did, uh, had a wedding this weekend. And uh, the father uh, of the bride, he came to me before, and he, he wanted kind of to go over the steps because, you know, he was going to walk down his, his, his little girl all the way up to the front, and I'm going to ask him, who presents this bride? And, of course, he had three words to say. But he was nervous, and he was kind of sweating. You could just see it all over him. And so I talked to him. I said, hey, so, you know, uh, you know how you feeling? And he was like, I just, you know, there's just a lot going on. And I said, yeah, it's not really about these, these three words, is it? It's more like the 30 years that built up to these three words. It wasn't about him having to walk in front of people or say words in front of people. It's the fact that he's having to let go of his daughter in a certain way. She will never be to him what she was in that moment ever again. Their relationship will forever change. He will lose it. That form, that way of relating has now decayed. It's faded away. And some people just want to hold tightly to it. I have another picture. Uh, you can put our wedding picture up there. Go ahead. Yeah, there you go ahead. This was, this was uh, 
Eleven years ago, okay, on the 15th, so uh, we actually celebrated that uh, this week. Eleven years ago, I do not look the same. Thank the Lord in heaven, right? Uh, and those times I was a youth pastor, I was not able to go to the high schools to visit my kids because if I did, I'd get in trouble. They would send me to the principal. They thought I was sneaking out of class back then in those days, right? Uh, but I promise you, if I shave this off, that, that, the, the baby face is, is still there. The plan is to wait until I'm about 50 and then shave it. I look like 30, right? Like that's the goal, right? That's, that's the plan, right? If we can constantly try to stay in that place, we not only miss out on what's here, but we harm people. I want you to understand something. Those two people do not exist anymore. Hear me. Those two people do not exist anymore. She did not marry the person. Well, she's not married to the person she was married to. And I for sure am not married to the person in that picture anymore. <laughs> she is far outgrown that picture. And it's in so many ways that matter. Outgrown, man. Outgrown. Life is, is a process of change. The marriages that have the hardest time are the ones who are constantly trying to keep that person the same person that they thought they were when they first had those vows. The reason that the marriage vows are so important, the reason that, that we word them a certain way, is because people who know, who've been there, know that nothing will stay the same. Your marriage, the person you married, who you are, everything is going to change. If you are healthy, if you're growing in Christ, you will outgrow who you were. You will leave that shell of personality, that shell of, the, of worldview, that shell of the way you treated people and interacted with God and with your spouse and children and friends. You will leave that in the past for something healthier, more full, more beautiful, if, if you don't resist change, if you don't fight it. All right, you can take it off. <laughs> He keeps staring at me with that little smile. What are you happy about? Be quiet. No. Uh, and so in the Scriptures, we get this process we, we see in Christ. We have this phrase that says, anyone follow after me must bear their cross. The idea is to, to embrace it, to pick it up and to hold it firmly, right? And to follow me, to deny themselves, to, to sacrifice, to, to die, these small little deaths every day. What this is, okay, the way of the cross is a daily process of small deaths. Small deaths. Small letting go of things, right? The old way of life, this, the sinful way of life, is to try to, to be God, to stay in control, to, to keep things the way you want them to be. Don't move. Stay the same. Be this. Be there. You come over here. This is what a sinful life looks like. It's self-reliant, right? And, and the message says self-help is no help at all, meaning trying to be God, to control everything in your life, to order them, to keep them where you want them to be. This is the essence of sin. The more I, I live and the more I study and pray, the more I'm convinced that the, almost all of sin is purely the result of survival, meaning trying to, to, to get by in this world, trying to survive, to go day to day, to get through life, in this broken place, the majority of what we call sin comes out of this. Trying to make sure that we get the things that we need and trying to, to protect ourselves, keep people away, trying to make sure we don't get hurt more than we have and trying to, to deal with pain and hurt on the inside. How do we do this? We end up hurting and abusing people around us. And so if sin is a place of self-reliance, righteousness is a place of complete dependency on God, meaning to let go, right? 
If sin is a place of, of grip, of, of trying to rely on ourselves to, to protect ourselves, right? To stay in control, right? To keep everything where they need to be. Then to walk into righteousness is the opposite. It is a, a state of trust in God where my hands are open. I, I don't live life gripping it. I live life with my hands open. Now to go from here to there is a process. It's a daily process. And so how we get from a life of sin, a life of self-dependency, to a life of trust in God, being able to, to let life happen, to let change happen, it's a long, steady process of small deaths, of small letting go. And so as I learned to let go of these terrible habits or behaviors, these ways I used to kind of cope with my stress or with my, with my pain or my hurts, I let go of these things. I let go of the control over my money. Why do you think we tithe? What's tithing about? It has nothing to do with the need of God for our money. And honestly, it has nothing to do with 10%. Tithing has everything to do with little deaths. It's about that little pain that hurts. Ah! And the moment that 10% or 5% or 1% stops hurting, then it's time for more. And more. The whole goal of this is those little, those little trustings. Having to learn to let go, to trust in God. What's coming to church matter? What are all the things that you could do right now with your time besides be in church? Pastor Jay is not here this morning. When she's here next Sunday, I want you to remind her she wasn't here. You know why? She wasn't willing to let go of the beach. She's doing this to the beach. But the currents of life are going to bring her all the way home. Amen, Holly. On Sunday, she's going to be there crying because there's no sand or beach, right? She's clinging to it, right? But we come to church because it's a little death of ours. There are all these things you could do with your time. You could be in Branson right now. <laughs> You're like, I will be next week. See? <laughs> Rest and family time is very important. Um, but just, again, we come and we, we, we learn this rhythm of we come and we sacrifice our time because it's that little death of control. I want to control my life. It's my time, my choices. That's my money. I earn that. Why is serving important? What does, you know, helping in the ushers or with the kids' church or with the nursery, what does that really have to do with your walk with Christ? Because on your worst day, I don't feel like it. I had a rough week. I feel sick today. I just want to stay in bed in my covers and watch TV, right? We all feel it. Trust me, there are days I would, I would be in bed eating bonbons if it were the 90s, right? What happened to bonbons? Talk about things that decayed that should not have decayed. All right, amen. Bonbons were amazing. Okay, uh, I'm completely distracted now. That's the nature of my brain. Whoop, okay. And so what happens in this, in this space for us is these small letting goes, these small deaths. We get baptized, and we get baptized into death before life, Right? We come up and we have this meal, and the idea is that we survive every week not on the, the food that we eat from here or on our jobs or on our marriage or on our friends. We survive from the grace of God found here. And all this kind of goes back to some things we see in nature. Have you guys ever heard of a controlled burns before? Anyone heard of that? If you're farming, if you have a forest, the idea is that life needs death. That this... This land can only yield so much harvest in, in the next three or five years. And it will cease to be able to produce life until it tastes death. 
decay. And so we will literally plan to set it on fire because we know that if we set it on fire, if we kill it, if we allow it to taste death and decay, then life will spring out of it. If we go to this forest and we allow ourselves to endure, to place it into a place of death, we light it on fire, that it's going to grow back healthier than it was before. But what happens if we don't do that? What happens if we don't embrace the little deaths that Christ leads us into? What happens if we don't embrace the small letting goes that God tries to lead us into? What happens when a forest experiences fire on its own? Wildfire. right? We call it a wildfire because what? it's untamed. It's uncontrolled. There's no limit to the damage this is going to cost. When we try to avoid all the little deaths that Christ tries to lead us into, we die to our ego, we die to our self-defenses, not trusting anyone. We die to that plastic mask we wear every day where we convince people we're one thing, but we're really something else. We die to that, to that, that choice to be deceptive, to hide our real feelings and emotions about things and people. We die to our selfishness and our, our pride. We die to all these things. When we avoid these deaths, what happens? When we avoid these little deaths, we always come face to face with the one thing that will happen. We will face death. We will face loss. And if you are not prepared for it, it's the little controlled burns that the Holy Spirit tries to lead us into. It's the small deaths that prepare us. Because there is something waiting on the other side. It's the small deaths which prepare us for the final death. There might be two or three people in this entire room who are ready for death. There might be people who think they are. You're not. The people who are ready for are ones who have wrestled with it. They've thought about it. They've been kept up night. They've been, they've know what it is to lose someone. They've thought about how their absence will affect the people they care about. They are aware of all things they will miss out on when they're not in this universe anymore. They've wrestled with it. They've allowed the little deaths to prepare them for the ultimate death. And so we have this ultimate truth inside of Christianity, which we see in baptism. That the only way to life is through death. The only way. And every single day is to be a, a step into a controlled burn, a small death, a small letting go. And it's every one of these internal things. As God takes us inside ourselves, we learn to let go of insecurities, of our, our pride, of our defensive personalities. We learn to let go of our opinions and our, the, the, the things that we're so sure everything's supposed to be this way. And we let go of all these things. And what they're doing is they're preparing us. I am not ready to see any of my children get married. Period. I got a lot of little deaths to go through before I'm willing. And that whoever those people are better hope that I've gone through all the little deaths before they show up at my door talking about my kids. <laughs> I am not ready for that. I'm not ready to lose uh, the people I care most about. There will be a time when your grandparents will not be on this planet or your parents will not be on this planet. You might even lose children or a brother or a sister. You might lose close friends to you. This is a reality. What will happen to your life if you have not gone through these controlled burns, if you have not learned to trust God in little things, when the big losses come into your life, it will be a wildfire. It will destroy all of your life because you have not learned yet to trust God through death, through loss, through pain. 
And all of these little steps, these are so crucial for this because you have to learn to trust here. You guys ever done those trust falls before? You know what I'm talking about? So you kind of start on the ground, and the idea is the person gets behind you, and you, you fall down, and they catch you, right? You, you know what I'm talking about? Okay, and you, you work your way up to a chair, right? And then you get, like, really brave. You get up on the stage, right? And you fall, and they catch you, right? Who, who wants to try it? Anybody? Okay. <laughs> and so the whole idea of this, right, is that you cannot instantly trust someone for the most important things in your life, for a dangerous fault. You have to build your trust in that person. If you are not building your trust in Christ, you will not be ready for the falls and and the big losses that will come. If you're not learning to live your life with hands open, not trying to control everything, not trying to grip tight, if you learn to live with the current, the way things are in this moment, learn to be present with God and the people in your life the way they are right now, you will not only miss out on what's happening, but you will begin harming the people around you. We have to learn to allow God to lead us into these small deaths, these controlled burns, these small letting goes. Because there will be a day when it's the big ones. It's our spouse. It's our best friend. It's our parents. It's our child. It's us. We will all face the letting go, the fire. And if we're not ready for it, it will bring everything in our life down. Would you guys stand with me this morning? So we're going to end this morning with the Eucharist, with the communion, the Lord's table. And we do this, and again, it's all of these sacraments, these sacred things that we practice, they all have this little truth hidden inside of them, right? We come every week to this table because it reminds us of something. It's not our job, it's not our spouse, it's not our best friend, it's not our parents, it's not our job title, it's not our savings account, which stays unchanged. It's not those things that are going to pull us through this life. We come to God and we need the grace of God found in Christ alone. So Father, we just come to you this morning, we ask that you kind of just begin to work inside of us right now. There are areas where each one of us is trying to avoid, to try to convince ourselves that it will never change. Our marriage will never change. My opinions will never change. My God, who He is, will never change. My, my savings account will take care of me. Or the, the job or the, the success or whatever these things are will never change. We ask, what do you would lead us? Or what areas are we lying to ourselves? What are the places in our lives that we spend so much energy trying to control, trying to resist change, loss, death? We ask as we come to the table that you would prepare us for that.